0: Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's word. Welcome to Truth Set Free, our Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities Q&A program. It is recorded live on Wednesdays at 3.30 p.m. with Pastor Matt Lewis and Steve Winery. You can view the live program at our Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. You can text your questions to 707-872-7677 or email them to crosswalkradio at gmail.com. And the
1: covenant, going from book of Revelation and other passages, is probably a peace deal that world war 3 kicked off and that's the start of the first half of the tribu- tribulation exactly is that peace deal yeah and so the temple may be there but it doesn't have to be there and that point is when the antichrist could be the project leader on that
2: exactly one of the things that the jews believe and it comes out of the minor prophets is that messiah is going to build their temple and so most guys who are into biblical prophecy believe that that's one of the reasons that the Antichrist is involved with this. It's a great way to deceive the Jewish people. Right. And so he comes along and he's, he's instrumental in rebuilding the temple. They go, this is the Messiah. And uh, they, begin, they begin to go after him. Jesus said that you don't receive me, but when another comes, you'll receive him. You know, this is a, that's in John chapter 5 at the end of the chapter. In any case, it looks like that's how the Antichrist deceives the people of Israel, by the rebuilding of the temple. And
1: so with the doctrine of imminency, Christ can come back at any moment. Mm -hmm. We have to be ready for him. It says that you're going to, don't be surprised. People are going to get caught off guard, one sleeping, one working, but one lying in the same bed is going to be taken. And so it's a surprise event. Exactly. So he could come right now without anything being fulfilled. Exactly. But when we're in 2023, and we just talked about you doing a prophecy update uh, on the 17th, and they already have stuff set aside in Israel. In fact, there's a website dedicated to the rebuilding of the temple. Mm-hmm. The Jewish nation is there, 1948, mm-hmm. which is another biblical prophecy fulfilled, because you have to have Israel if you're going to have
2: exactly. a temple. The city of Jerusalem is in their control, and the Temple Mount is in their control. Right. That has to happen, too. Right. And
1: that's interesting for what's going on right now. Yeah. With uh, Hamas and different things. But all that to say that if we see all that stuff, and there's a whole list of those. In fact, I've been through many years of prophecy updates, and the the first ones were really cool because you you go through the Mark of the Beast and One World Government, you could see all that stuff. And now I'm to the point where it's like, it's so detailed. And Israel, being on the front of the news right now, it's like, how close are we going to get to the event when it's so precise.
2: Yeah, I don't know, you know, man. It's like, you know, this this could have happened so long ago. And you know, one of the things that, that uh is is a starter for the book of Revelation is that these things are going to take place quickly. You know, they're they're gonna take place soon. But it literally means quickly. Like dominoes falling into place. And so when when you're when you're talking about the events that precede the the coming of Jesus, there's there's no precursor for the rapture the the precursors are all about the second coming right and so god could have orchestrated events so that those things could happen at any time and it's really interesting that we're living in times where we where we look at the book of revelation and we're seeing the absolute probability of literal fulfillment of all the things that we see in the book of Revelation. It's not It's not even possibility. It's probability yeah. of these things being fulfilled. And God, it's like God's pushing it right up to the limit on this whole thing. And I think that's how God is. Lot didn't get out of Sodom. And, when, when he left Sodom and Gomorrah, the fire and brimstone was coming down. And when... Noah got into the ark, it was, it was immediate that the flood came on the earth. And, you know, before God's going to judge the world, he waits till the last possible second. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how much closer we can get to this and, you know, still have the last possible second. It's like, you're right. It's amazing. You know, it's like every year I'm just like, this is crazy.
1: Okay. So I want to throw this one in there because it goes right along with it. Are we the generation, you and I, that shall not pass away? And going to the, that's the verse where Jesus says, those who see this, there's a question on what that is mm-hmm. and who the generation is. But in this question, is this going to happen in our lifetime? And if so, why? What is it that these people are seeing that dictates that generation? Right.
2: No, we're not the generation the generation that saw israel restored as a nation is the generation which makes it even closer right that's that's talking about people who were alive in 1948 that's the generation and so yeah we're way, we're way more close than that and let me let me just give you a little bit of backup for this in matthew chapter 24 jesus is going through and he's answering some questions from the disciples And the first question that he answers is, what are going to be the signs of your coming? And so, and this is in Matthew 24. There are three questions that are asked. The questions are, tell us, when will these things be? He doesn't actually answer that in Matthew 24. He actually answers that in Luke 21. And Luke 21 and Matthew 24 are parallel passages. In Luke 21, you have the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus had just said, that not one stone on the Temple Mount is going to be left on another, and that it was all going to be destroyed. So when will these things be? You, you go and read in Luke 21, you get the answer to that. And then he says, what will be the sign of your coming? And that's the next section. And all the way down to verse 31, Jesus is giving a series of signs that precede the second coming of Jesus. But then they ask a third question. I don't even know if they knew that they were asking a third question, but they ask, what's going to be the sign of the end of the age. And what Jesus does is he goes through and he talks about the signs leading up to the second coming. He describes the second coming. Then he stops the narrative, puts a little parable in there, and then he gives the sign of the end of the age. And that's when two are in the field, one's taken, the other's left. Two will be grinding at a mill, one's taken and the other's left. He talked about the same situation in Luke 17, totally different sermon, totally different context. He said, two people will be in one bed and one will be taken and the other left and uses these illustrations of Noah and in Luke 17, he uses Lot also. But you got this parable of the fig tree here. And he says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And so there's a question as to what the generation is talking about. So first off, you got the the whole fig tree thing. You guys, one of the things that, that people don't really connect with this is the fact that Jesus cursed a fig tree the day before. So these guys are asking the question the day after they saw Jesus curse a fig tree. And so uh, that's over in Matthew chapter 21. It's after he's gone into the temple. He's coming back the next day. He sees a fig tree. It has no fruit on it. And so he curses it. Well, why? Because he's mad? Because he's ticked off? He's having a bad morning? What's the deal with that? And the issue there is that when you have fig trees, this is the way fig trees work. The fruit grows before the leaves. So I used to have a fig tree and you would go out in the early spring and you'd see the, the buds of the fruit. You would literally see figs on the fig tree before the leaves even came out. And so by the time that the leaves were full grown and that kind of stuff, there should be fruit on the fig tree. And this was a fruitless fig tree. And part of the reason that he cursed it is because he's going back into the temple and he's going to be dealing with the Jewish nation, which looks like it should have fruit on it, but it has none. It's a, it's a symbol of the nation of Israel. And you have a number of passages throughout Scripture, Hosea 4:10, Joel chapter 1 verse 7. Ezekiel also talks about trees in, in connection with nations. But specifically, Israel being the fig tree is familiar to the Jews and the Jews of this time. And so the fig tree would be the nation of Israel. And so in this passage, the nation that sees the branch becoming tender and it's putting forth leaves, you know that summer is near, so when you see all these things, know that it's near at the doors. And that would be a reference to the nation of Israel um, returning and i believe that that's exactly what the guy what jesus is talking about. He can't be talking about the generation that lived at the time because they all died. And none of this stuff happened. He cannot be talking about the nation of Israel itself that the the people of Israel are going to continue because that's not how the term generation is used. And so on the one hand he's talking about the fig tree being Israel and that that is going to blossom again and it has Within the, the last um, 100 years or so, uh, 1948 is when it becomes a nation again. And if, if that's the case, then it's the generation that sees the budding of the, of the fig tree, the nation of Israel, that's going to be there when these events are going to all take place. And so, like I said, I, I was born in 1958 or 56. Or, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I was born in 1959. My wife, w- wife was born in 58. I don't know who was born in 56. <laughs> Six is upside down nine. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing there. But I was born in 1959. And so it's 11 years after Israel became a nation. It's when I was born. And so obviously uh, it would be in the, within the generation of when I was born. And so I'm looking for people who were born in 1948 to still be alive when these events take place. And Jesus goes on and again describes the fact that that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. And so he gives a rounded off, you know, type of period of time. So generation, I believe, the generation that uh, saw the rebirth of the nation of Israel is going is the terminal generation.
1: That means we're getting really close. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. that's pretty wild. Okay, so we're, a lot- ta- we're
2: talking about people that are almost ninety. Right. In in thirty eight. In 2038, these people will be 90 years old. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not a time to be messing around. Right, exactly. Okay, so a lot going on there in Matthew 24 and those other passages. One of the things that helped me is to realize, do a careful reading of it because I like how Chuck Missler uh, teaches on it that these are non-signs, you know, when you're talking about wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. A lot Uh of people will put that into the end times. And then the understanding that Jesus coming for the church is a different coming than the second coming in book of Revelation right. time where we're going to make war and the right. church is with him and all that stuff. So you got to put those pieces together to make sense of those passages. Right. And then what you already alluded to and read the one that's talking about uh, the rapture part from a different perspective and Luke talking about something different.
2: Right. When you're looking at the illustrations that are used here, uh, when, when he talks about the, the days of Noah, he's talking about unexpected events. And so they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And so they did not expect the flood. When you're talking about the second coming, you're not talking about an unexpected event. Nobody is in a situation where they're not expectant of the second coming. When you go through the book of Revelation, the demons know Jesus is coming. The nations know that Jesus is coming. Obviously, believers know that Jesus is coming. There's nobody who doesn't know that he's coming. And as a matter of fact, the demons are collecting the armies of the earth to go to Israel to resist the second coming of Jesus. So there's all these events that lead up to the second coming that are going to be, you know, going to, it's going to be evident that that's what's taken place. The other thing that you have is by the time that you get to the end of the tribulation period, all of the cities are knocked down. All of the mountains are knocked down. All of the islands are destroyed. You have half the population of the earth dead. And you're not going to have a situation where people are having weddings and feasts.
1: Yeah, it's not business as usual.
2: Yeah, it's not going to be business as usual. And every description that you have of the coming of Jesus for, for the church, it's completely unexpected unless you're expectant. It's not, it's not something that you can see because of specifically the signs of the times. And so you have that. When Matt and I are, are sitting here talking about the signs that are leading up to the tribulation period, and so you would talk about a cashless society, digital cash type of thing, and you talk about a one-world government, and you talk about, the again, the mark of the beast and, and one-world religion and these kinds of things, those are all signs... That precede the second coming of Jesus, and so I, you know, I like to. I got the, I stole this from Chuck Missler, but you can you can tell that you're close to Thanksgiving when the Christmas decorations come out. Actually, you can tell that you're close to Halloween now. Yeah. When the Christmas decoration. Actually, you can tell that you're close to Labor Day <laughs> when, when the Christmas decorations come out, and so what we're seeing are signs that are are evidence of Christmas, and so you know Thanksgiving is near. And we're seeing signs that are evidence of the second coming, and so you know that the rapture of the church is near. Yeah, That's the way this works. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right, I got a question on YouTube, Steve. I'm reading it. It's Psalm 83 and Zephaniah 2 are the passages, and it says this. Is Psalm 83... and Zephaniah 2, the same event, question mark, and are we seeing it played out right now?
2: Here's the a, here's a problem with the Psalm 83 stuff. When you're talking about the nations that are involved here, let's see, I'm looking at Psalm 83 right now. It says, The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and uh, Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia, and the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot, Selah. Philistia, the Philistines don't exist. And when when you're when you're talking about these groups of of people, the Edomites don't exist anymore. You're not talking about geographical areas. You're talking about people groups here, and these people groups no longer exist. And so that's that's part of the problem that I've always um, had with this. The Amalekites don't exist anymore. And so what people try to do is they try to take the areas that these people lived, and so Edom and Moab, for example, would be Jordan. But again, when you're talking about the Edomites, the the book of Obadiah makes clear that God's cursing the Edomites and they're not going to exist as a people anymore, and they don't. And and so I've always had a problem with the Psalm 83 thing. I'm not a Psalm 83 guy, and so no, I don't I don't think that these things are going on at this time. I think that this is. Uh, uh, something that's already been fulfilled.
1: All right, there you go. Uh, Someone uh, left me a voicemail, Pastor Steve, and they just said I need prayer for a big decision I need to make and that it's God's will for me.
2: Okay, let's pray for you. Did they leave a name? I don't have one, no. Okay, Lord, we, we lift up this brother or sister to you and just ask that you'd have their, your hand on them. Lord, you're the God who speaks to us. You made a promise that uh, if we would trust in you with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding, but acknowledging you in all our ways, that you would direct our paths. And so, Father, we just pray that as they're fulfilling those things, trusting in you with all their heart, not leaning on their own understanding, but acknowledging you, Lord, that you would direct them and that you would give them the answer that they need. God, we know that you would never lead us into direction that is a a violation of your word or any portion of your word. And so, God, we just pray that you give them discernment concerning that and that you just watch over them in this decision. Let's ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Changing topics. Mm -hmm. Can you explain why there is
1: no marriage in heaven and what that means with our spouse when we get
2: there? Okay, let me get to the to the reference. This is out of Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is uh, talking with the, with the Sadducees, and they come up with this conundrum for Jesus where a woman gets married to a number of brothers, and there's seven brothers, and she's married to each one of them, one after another. They each one die, and then she marries the next brother. And they say to Jesus... The last of all the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And Jesus said, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. And so that's how we know that there is no continuation of the marriage uh, covenant in heaven so i'm not going to be married to my wife my wife right now when i get to heaven i on purpose did not say there is no marriage in heaven there is marriage in heaven marriage is a picture of the relationship with of the church with jesus and so we as the church are like the bride and jesus is the bridegroom and so there is marriage in heaven we just all happen to be married to jesus and so obviously that's a different thing than what we're looking, around, uh, looking at here. The marriages that we have here are a shadow of that relationship that we're going to have with Christ when we get to heaven. That's why there's no marriage in heaven, uh, because marriage is fulfilled in our relationship with Christ when we go home to be with the Lord.
1: I've had people get really mad mm-hmm. about that. And usually it's in the context of, well, the one I'm thinking of specifically is in the context of their marriage is not so good. And they think that when they get to heaven that it's obviously going to be good because sin and stuff is dealt with and they want to be married. Mm -hmm. And so what they don't acknowledge is that whatever we have in heaven is better than what we have now.
2: That's what, that's what you all got, always got to remember about this stuff, because yeah. people, people will ask about things in heaven as, as to whether or not, you know, are we still going to have this or are we still going to have that, you know, and that kind of thing. C.S. Lewis uh, famously talked about sex in heaven. And he, he said the, the question, basically, I'm going to paraphrase him, the question is basically like a child asking if sex is as good as chocolate. Right. And what the child is doing is taking the thing that he likes, he or she likes best, chocolate, and the thing that gives them the most pleasure, chocolate, and trying to see if this thing called sex is comparable to that. And obviously, there's no comparison at all. And, and so what, what you've got is a child who is unaware, uh, naive concerning the sexual relationship and unaware, naïve also, unsophisticated concerning the pleasures that are involved and they don't understand that they don't know what they're talking about, right? And again, it's because they're naïve. Well, we don't know what we're talking about when we're talking about heaven. We're naïve. Heaven is going to be so much better than what we've got here on earth that it's not even something that you you could understand if God explained it all to you. I think that that's why heaven is described in just vague terms. In his presence is fullness of joy. I have no idea what that looks like. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so unending pleasure, fullness of joy, is what we're talking about. And so my relationship with my wife in heaven is not going to be worse than it is now. It's going to be better than it is now. It's not going to be more distant than it is now, it's going to be closer than it is now. It's not going to be less joyful than it is now. It's going to be more joyful right. than it is now. Everything is going to be better about my relationship with my wife. I'm just not going to be married to her.
1: Yeah. And uh, too on that, like we get a new nature, we get mm-hmm. a new body, a heavenly body fit for the heavens. We're going to be like him in the sense of Jesus, whatever that means. When he floated up at the ascension or peered into a room, like there's gonna we're gonna have heavenly bodies. So. We've already said it's going to be better than what we have now.
0: That's all the time we have for this week. If you have questions for Pastor Steve, email us at crosswalkradio at gmail.com or send us a text at 707-872-7677. God bless. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winnery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kenwick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7 30, 9 15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6 30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.